Kia ora Lovely to be here this morning. I've actually been looking forward to today. And um, just get myself set up first. I was, um, I was looking at Exodus 33 during the week, and uh, the Israelites are about to break camp and move on. God ins- God's instructing them to, to move on. And Moses, he must have um, stood up and looked ahead and began to ponder what was ahead, began to think about the task ahead began to think about possible obstacles ahead, possible challenges ahead. And he just stops in his tracks. And he looks to the Lord and he said, he said, we need your presence to go any further. We need your presence. And when he's talking about presence, he's talking about all of God, not just the glory cloud, all of God. We, we need your wisdom for the journey ahead. I need your counsel. I need your clear direction for the journey ahead. And he said, he said, if you don't come with us, I ain't going. I'm staying right here. We need your presence. And we're living in that day where we need God's presence. Everything that's of God, not just glory clouds, not just things like that, but we need his wisdom, counsel, clear, clear direction, clear instruction for the road ahead. We need his presence. We need your presence, Father. And today I, I, was, um, I have a message. Uh, you know, first of all, when you think about the presence of God in individual lives, it, it manifests in different ways from person to person. There's no one size that fits all because we're at different levels in faith. We come with different callings. We come from God places on us different purpose and all of that. So God's presence manifests in different ways. Gosh, I've seen some people who, who God moves in them and, and uh, the way they minister to people. And you see God all over it. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at that. What meaneth this? <laughs> How did he do that? It's the presence of God. I remember Western Carrier, you know, great man of God, great evangelist, healing ministry. And uh, I was sitting in one of his services one day, and he wasn't so much preaching about the gospel or anything, but he was starting to talk about um, Israel and all of the rules and regulations of the old things and everything. And I knew he was going to have an altar call at the end of it because that's what he does. And it was such a dry message, you know, and I was thinking, how's he going to get anybody saved out of that? But he had an altar call, and everybody went up the front. <laughs> and I thought, how did that happen? <laughs> and somebody said, it's the anointing. 
It's God's presence. It's not about him, but it's about God's presence. Today I wanted to um, uh, share a message that um, about how I am able to be in God's presence. It may fit you, it may not fit you, but I, I pray that you're encouraged by it and that you find things in it that fit you as well. If you'd like to turn to, with me to Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1. Oh, ch- chapter 2, sorry. <clears throat> chapter 2, verses 1 through to 4. If we had soundtracks for every book in the Bible, Revelations would be da 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 da. <laughs> Revelations. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, write These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I have this against you. You have forsaken your first love. So remember the height from which you have fallen, Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Thank you, Jesus. Father, with Jesus, we thank you for your word. We honour you, Jesus. We honour your word. We thank you, Jesus, for for your word that, that picks us up, that edifies that encourages us, that builds hope in us, that builds faith in us, that gives us clear direction, gives us clear instruction. We even thank you, Lord, for the times where you correct us, Lord. And Lord, we honour you today, Lord, by, by opening up the eyes of our understanding so that we may hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the church. We honour you, Lord, by opening up our ears to hear, Lord. We honour you, Lord, by opening up our hearts to receive, staying teachable, Father, to what you would have to say to us. We honour you, Jesus. We honour your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We honour you, Jesus. In my understanding, Revelation is a book about the future and a book about today. It's a book about hope and warning. It's a book of comfort and a book of challenge. It's a book of encouragement about the coming of the King and about being prepared to meet Him. Mm, Some sweet day. Some sweet day. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. And this letter, the first of seven to various churches scattered throughout the, the then Roman Empire, was to, church, was to the church at Ephesus. Now the believers there were faced with some unique challenges. 
and that it was there the home base of the emperor's cult and the worship of the Greek goddess Artemis. Very popular in that day. But in spite of this challenging environment, an oppressive regime of that time, the church had secured a foothold, growing steadily and being influential. You know, throughout the Bible, it seems to me that when God's people just kept their eyes on him. They just kept their eyes on him, despite any surroundings that they were in, despite any oppressive regime that they were under. If they just kept their eyes on him, just kept following him, he would keep them. They would remain stable and they would flourish. I'm a great follower of Bibles in China, or Bibles for China, and the, uh, lots of the reports that are coming out, there, out of there, despite the oppression against the church, it's growing, 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 albeit underground, but it's growing. One sweet day, it's going to come to light. And let me tell you something, that the, the plans of God, the purposes of God, and the will of God is not and will not be governed or swayed or stopped by this world's government, this world's economy, or any antichrist teachings or attitudes. At the end of the day, God will have his will and God will have his say. I love what uh, Billy Graham used to say. He said, I've read the back of the Bible. We win. I know the, the, the challenging restrictions of today can be frustrating, discouraging for many. A lot of politics, a lot of protests, a lot of ugliness, a lot of division has risen because of it. And sadly, even amongst believers, Christ followers, church folk. And yes, we're not to be ignorant or arrogant and just ignore our current situation. And yes, we need to use wisdom and do what we know to do to keep ourselves, our families and others safe. But for me personally, I'm not going to be in fear of dying to the point where I stop living. I refuse to be in fear of dying to the point where I stop living. My time is in his hands. And when my time comes, he'll know where to find me. And no, 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 no bubble's going to stop that. So I'm going to keep on living for him. And don't get me wrong, I don't say that arrogantly. Or with hyper faith. Or reckless abandonment because life is too precious. But in the midst of all of this, of what's going on today, I'm going to keep looking up and I'm going to keep looking out. I'm going to keep looking up for direction and I'm going to keep looking out for how I can be a part of uh, still uh, building the kingdom of God. And even in this COVID world, I encourage you, keep looking up. Keep looking out. The harvest is plenteous. There's lots of people out there that need encouragement today. Lots of people that are open to prayer. 
Lots of people are open to you coming alongside them. You know, I was reading uh, the Apostle Paul's story again this weekend. I think he wrote seven of the epistles. Four of them were from prison. Imagine that. And prison in those days was not like the prisons today. Today's prisons would be like five-star accommodation. Most of the prisons back then were just, just a hole in the ground, just caves, just dungeons. No sanitation, no running water. He didn't have to worry about what would happen to him in the showers because there were no showers. And if you didn't have somebody coming in with, um, to bring you food and things, you're in a pretty sad place. No heating, no nothing like that. And yet here's Paul, he keeps looking up and he keeps looking out. And he wrote four, 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 four letters that we're still being encouraged by today, that are still building us up, that we're still growing by. Paul kept looking up and he kept looking out. Let's keep looking up and let's keep looking out. In verse 2 and 3, God begins to commend them, the believers. He said, um, hey, I've been watching you. He said, I've been watching you guys and I'm impressed. He said, I've seen all your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I've watched you stand for what is right, stand against what is wrong. <clears throat> I've watched you and I've seen you endure for my name's sake. You've not grown weary. He said, well done. Well done. But nevertheless, something is missing. Something is not quite right. And this is the problem. The problem is, in amongst all that, you have forgotten or forsaken your first love. You've forgotten or forsaken our relationship. You have forgotten the intimacy that we once had. The closeness we once had, you've forgotten our friendship. Now, he commended them on their great deeds, their busy work schedule, their stand for his name's sake. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being busy for Christ. But it appears that, that something of greater value to God was missing in this union. Something very special to him, something important, something precious, something tangible, something that would, had real substance, something that went beyond just religious activity, religious tradition, religious gatherings. They had lost their first love, that agape love, the giving and receiving of two people in union. Relationship, intimacy, family. You know, the reason for sending his son Jesus into the world was that God just wanted his kids back. God wanted his family back. God wanted you and me back. He wanted to be in a, in a position of being able to express and give love and be loved in return. Relationship. 
And these folk, they made that initial connection. But somehow, some way, they went from being close to God, walking and talking with him, into a place that was just good works. And they began to drift away from relationship. And as a result, they slowly began to exchange the, the zeal they once had for Jesus to just zeal for orthodoxy, study and theory of doctrine, just the practice of religion. They showed up for the many Bible study programs, but stopped showing up for their personal communion time with the one who wrote the Bible. They may have sang songs, popular songs, but stopped worshipping him in spirit and in truth with all their hearts. They stood against evil but tolerated a, a sluggish love towards their, their maker and others, especially those that didn't know him. They may have lost the gratitude they once had for the amazing grace that he had shown them. And the love and the passion that came with that. A passion so full of zeal, it once spilled out over to, into their community and the community that they were living in. And as a result, that community, those neighbours who didn't know him, lost the source of salt and light that they needed. And as their personal influence began to wane in them, the flame of everything that he was in them and could have been through them began to wane as well. And he said, if you don't stop, if you don't look back on what you had and turn back to that first love relationship, that flame that's just flickering in you will burn out altogether. He said, it'll be like temple lights on, nobody at home. Just a form of godliness that lacks any reality, any real power, any effectiveness of godly substitute. Just going through the motions. You know, and there's nothing about knowing the Bible. There's nothing about it. But when you look at the priests and the Pharisees of that day, they knew the word backward. Upside down, inside out, back to front, every which way but loose. They knew all about God. They knew about the coming of Jesus. But isn't it interesting that when he showed up face to face with them, they didn't recognize him. They had their eyes on this so, so many religious regulations and things that when the Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, turned up right in front of them, they didn't recognize him. Head stuck so far in the air that they couldn't see the reality of him. As wonderful as this is, not taking anything away from that. But the people that um, didn't know much about the Bible at all, but the ones who decided to follow him, to fellowship with him, to get close to him, the disciples who walk with him, talk with him, spent all their time with him, those are the ones that got to see the real glory of God. Don't neglect your personal relationship with God. 
Don't neglect that personal relationship that you have with Jesus. My wife and I, we got um, born again in 1982 in Australia. Little church in New South Wales called, uh, little place called Woi Woi. And um, we'd gone over there because the allies were a mess, you know. And I, I, I had a job over there and long story short, I got cancer. Uh, terminal cancer, two years to live, uh, one year to live, two if I was lucky. So all my world was upside down. Young, young wife, three kids, and so, so everything just went to the pack. But I remember um, in my early days as a child when my, my older sister used to drag me off to children's church, do things like that. I didn't want to go. You know, but she used to drag me off, and uh, there was a, a gentleman there called um, Roy Allen. And every week, the same message: God loves you, John three sixteen, Romans ten and nine. For God so loved you, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, and at that time, I'd say, yeah, yeah, whatever. Give me, give me the free pencil that you got. Give me the free ruler. Give me the free rubber that you got for me, and I'm out of there. But you know. That, that day when I when they told me that I was going to die, that night when I was in tears, all those things came back to me. And we found a little church in Woiwoi that we we knew we I knew I needed God big time, and we went in there and um, it was just a little church, but the people in there they were full of Jesus, full of God. They were crazy. <laughs> But it wasn't, wasn't so much the noise that was in there. As a, that when we walked in, they embraced us. And when they embraced us, it was like God embraced us. And so we got turned on to Jesus, you know, and uh, we came back to New Zealand and, and my wife and I, we were so full on for God, full of zeal, full of passion, no wisdom, green as... <laughs> Jump in, do anything, go anywhere, say anything to anybody, all for the sake of Jesus. But then we went into, got into another church that was, um, you know, full on with this. It was all about, it's all about the word, the word, the word. Nothing wrong with that in itself. There's an old saying though: too much word you dry up, too much Holy Spirit you blow up. But if you get the two together, you'll grow up. It's not either all; it's both together. And, um, and we began to dry up. Our focus was not out there, it was on here. Not out there, on here. And we began to dry up. So much so that, that my wife, she said, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's not what it used to be. And so she walked out. And, uh, and I said to the Lord, what, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And he said, you've got Saul's armour on, or trying to fit Saul's armour. What's, what's that all about? And, uh, and so, he's, he, and so I, I read that part about where David went out to fight Goliath. And Saul came up to him and said, put this armour on. This is a good armour. I fought lots of battles in this armour. And it's a wonder, why, why didn't you stick it on Saul and go out to Goliath? But anyway, he said, put it And David said, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit me. 
And I realised then I'd been taken on everybody else's revelation. Everybody's three keys to prosperity. You know, five keys to do this and do that. But I hadn't found them for me. And so I just, I went out and bought a brand new Bible. Big thing, big Bible, big enough to choke a horse. And uh, I just started again and I said, Lord, I've come to seek your face. I want to know our relationship. I want to know you and me in this walk. That's what I want to know. And over four years, he began to strip me of all the stuff, all the stuff, you know, that I'd learnt and replaced himself in those places. And there was a time when he revealed, he, he revealed himself to me face to face and how much he loved me. And I've talked about, about this before. And, um, and, and, and I was at work one day and, and I'm meditating on uh, John 3.16, for God so loved me. And it just hit me. And I cried over there for three whole days. Three whole days it took me to. Sometimes, you know, when God reveals himself to you, you don't know, there's no words to describe it. So you either laugh or you cry. I cried for three days. And at the end of it, it just changed me completely. I was never the same again. You should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And God wants to be real in your personal life. Not just real to you through my revelation or through Pastor Tony's revelation or anybody else's revelation. He wants, your, he wants to reveal himself to you personally. You know, like a, my wife and I, we celebrated 48 years of marriage on Christmas, last Christmas Eve, and it's great. But I found that um, marriage, like any relationship, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. And it's like a bank account. You have to keep making deposits into it. I have to keep making deposits of affirmation into my wife, encouragement, romance, fellas, things like that. <laughs> I have to keep making deposits. I have to keep telling her, how much I love her, how much I appreciate her. It's not a 50-50 thing, it's 100% both ways. And we've been married now for 48 years and it's just great. Because if you just keep taking out what you need and what you want, if that's all it is in your prayer time, what, do I, what I need, Lord, what I want, there's nothing for him. You understand what I'm saying? It takes effort to, to get close to God from our point. You draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you, he says. It's interesting, eh, that he said that he's coming for his bride without spot and wrinkle. That bride refers, talks to me about that first love. That first love. That first love where we were so passionate about each other full of zeal for each other, would do anything for each other. 
before reality set in, <laughs> before the honeymoon stopped, coming for that first bride. And John, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. But if you remain in me, you're like the branch that is, uh, if you do not remain, like the branch that is thrown away, withers and thrown away. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, now I love you. Now, therefore, remain in my love. Tony and I were just talking yesterday about uh, that subject, about how Jesus was so close to his Father that he couldn't help himself but being a reflection of his Father and being an extension of his Father. And it was all about the relationship that he had with his Father. Psalms 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Return unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Let's sing that together. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Return unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Oh, Father, we desire your presence, Lord. Like Moses, Lord, we need your presence. We dare not go ahead of you. We dare not um, slip back behind you, Father God. We need to be with you. I need your presence. We need your wisdom. We need your counsel. We need your ability in these days, Father. So, Lord, like James says, Lord, we cry out to you, Lord, for those things. We cry out to you, Lord, for your presence, Lord, in our lives, Father. I cry out to you, Lord, for your presence, Lord, and the, the work that you would have us do individually and as a body, Father God. <clears throat> we cry out to you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to decrease that you may increase. Less of us, more of you, that it might be none of us and all of you, Father. 
We need you more and more, Lord. We need you more and more, Lord. And we commit ourselves, Lord, to, 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 to draw close to you, Lord, knowing, Lord, that yes, we do, you draw close to us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be a reflection of you. Help us to be an extension of you. In this day, Father, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Pastor? Thank you, Lord. Oh, that is so good. So good. Again, it's all about him. It's all about him. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Mm. Just going to get the guitar just for a second. On the highest place, for you are the great, for you are the great high king, are the great high priest. We place you, we place you far And we 
Oh, 